Did we see or listen to the presser with Gary Bettman where Pierre Lebrun works for TSN, The Athletic, and Got Your Back podcast? Did we hear yes, that? Yes, I got that in there. <laughs> did you did say that? Hear yes. that? I, yes, I, I did. Was li- Pierre, we were on air because it was like, you know, the State of the Union address. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. P. Yeah. I love that. Oh, boy. What happened, what happened I was laughing. Fly those company Bettman flags, was, buddy. Well, Bettman was giving me a gear, like, sort of like, well, you work, you know, how many people do you work for now? And I said, oh, I'll name them all then. If that's what yeah. you want. I mean. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition with uh, LeBron, Rashog, and yes, Mystic Mike Johnson joining us on the podcast today. Of course, as always, Got Your Back brought to you by our good friends at Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, where they provide equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. What sets them apart, though, is their get-er-done attitude. It's a core value of the company. They live by it. I've been to the head office. They actually have it on the wall. Get her done so their employees know. They bend over backwards to get their clients what they need when they need it. No excuses. Cross Country Canada, title sponsor here on Got Your Back. LeBron, Rashog, and MJ. There he is, MJ, back at the uh, the home post. I got to say, bud, I don't know, Pierre, like I, I, I'm the last one to hair shame, but Johnny, do you remember the episodes of yes, Seinfeld where he used the different product? And his hair kind of got a little bit like flat and a little bit different. It's not bad. It's just, it's a different thing you got going today, buds. This is um, called Bedhead and it is styled <laughs> by my pillow. And yeah, this is what uh, I'm going on. This is what happens in the summer. I love it. I don't shave, which is, this looks the same. I don't yeah. do my hair. My, don't shower i just jump in the lake like this is how i live this is this is my the way i operate so you'll see more of this it is a little bit um whatever yeah it's fine you miss it's not bad it's, it's just do? not quite as quaffed as you normally have he, no. he's not quite as quaffed but, but the other thing is uh, as you got to introduce as mystic mike again I, do you ever get confused mystic mike with magic mike because that could be i mean there's a difference yeah. listen tell that's you a what di- <laughs> That's a different sort of service, but it's um, equally lucrative. But <laughs> equally yes. lucrative. It's, what's oh, funny yeah. though is like so one. So like I played in the NHL for whatever a dozen years, and I've been on TV for like a dozen years. I get more people who come up to me in the streets who be like, "Hey, Mystic, what happened last night?" Like more people go. latch onto these, you know, these these picks. So um, yeah, that moniker looks like it's gonna stay for a while. Thank you very much, Duthy or. Quizmaster, whoever came up with it. By the way, quick, quick little story. I was tra- I was on a flight once a couple of years ago, and uh, and and I just so happened to look over at the person beside me while we're about to get served the drink, and it was a yeah, I'd say a woman in her forties, and and she was watching Magic Mike, and I kind of just happened to glance over, and then she, we kind of looked at each other, and she just went red. It's like, hey, it's all good. Don't worry about it. It's all good. You're only human. I mean, you're only the human. movie's on the airplane. Uh, you Listen, know, I mean, it, the, the mo- airplane movies, like let's say you watch one on the screen, not on your iPad, but like oh, on the yeah. screen, and it just happens to have like you're I watching know. whatever, and it has a scene that like something that you're like i don't right. know about <laughs> I, I fast forward through i'm like i don't want people Do you? so yeah. you're sitting yeah. there it's on your headrest right yes. in front of you the people uh. next to you beside you three rows back and see it 
and it's a full on skin scene, full yes. on nude scene. And yes. that they have those movies. Yes. So what do you do? So I, I always watch on my iPad, right? I always download movies. Like I've got it on my iPad. I always like in a panic flip my iPad down <laughs> and I look around. I'm like, did anybody see that? I flip it down and then I'll like hold wow. it close to my chest and peek down. But yeah, would I'm you judge tired. somebody? Like, what would you think, Pierre, if you, I mean, you look over and you see that. Do you sit there and well, think, Well, I just oh, about gave her a heart attack and I had to calm her down. But uh, yeah, I mean, it does cross your mind. I try, for that reason, I try to get, you know, get action movies. First of all, I never want to watch a great, great drama or whatever on a flight yeah. because I'm distracted and the sound's not great. And so I try to get, you know what, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to watch that at home. So I, I basically go to my B list on, on a flight. That's my, that's my tack. Yeah, I go to the I go to the personal devices because then you can have the noise canceling headphones and all that. To me, that's that's absolutely the way. Yeah, to go I would on judge. Flight. I would one hundred percent judge. You I'm would like, judge. I'm like, what are you doing? What are man? you it's watching? Like, it's a public plane. Go, what are like, you go to doing? your get a room. Like, get, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So, true. So there Mystic are children Mike, on this flight, good sir. So, so Mystic Mike would be judging the person. Magic Mike. Yeah. Mike. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. interesting. Now that's well, listen. Whether you're crushing, brands. whether mm. you're crushing betting lines or peeling ones out of your belt line, Mike, we love Whoa. you, and uh, we're happy to have you here on the pod. Uh, lots uh, to discuss. First off, ones. Come on. Well, that's just it. You called it lucrative. I'm thinking, really? Like how many, uh, you know, you dodge the loonies? Hundreds. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, guys, it kind of feels like the calm before the storm. There's going to be lots going on between the draft and free agency. Maybe we'll see some trades ahead of time. I'm not sure. But let's get to breaking it all down. And that will be brought to you by our good friends over at Kuma Outdoor Gear. Uh, a wide selection of really cool outdoor gear for you, whether you're looking for drinkware, whether you're looking for blankets, chairs. Uh, if you like spending time outside, as both you guys do out at the cottage, Kuma's got a great line. Uh, really high quality, efficient stuff. Pierre, you got yours, right? You got your mug? Yes, thank you very much. But you don't Already have it on set. You don't Already have it on set. Well, you're, you're supposed to have the cottage. The it's oh, up at the okay. cottage where it should be. Come on. Right. His and let me tell you, his drinking accessories of the cottage yeah. get great use. <laughs> great use. Daily. Did I send you the wine cozy or did I send you the coffee mug? I can't remember which he'll one put, I gave you. He'll put the wine in the coffee mug. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you put the wine in the coffee mug and drink it all down. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, okay. So the, the way I want to run things today a little bit, guys, is I want to talk about people of interest over the next week and a half or so. People that are going to be in the news potentially. And let's run down some of them and kind of eyeball what we think their weeks are going to look like. I'm going to start, Johnny, with Kevin Shevel day off. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Connor Hellebuck, names that are out there, among others, quite frankly. These are franchise-altering potential moves and names. So for Kevin Shevel day off and the way he operates, we know he's methodical. We know that he goes about things and takes his time to have these two high-caliber names floating out there What's your sense of what he's facing and his ability to maneuver here? Well, his next few weeks are going to be sleepless because these are massive, massive opportunities. Not, not, you know, you look at it like that, like a chance to, to really reshape your roster by guys who have done you a favor by letting you know you're not coming back. Now, they are – what he has to do is to like kind of – for the same for both players. He first has to gauge the league yeah. uh, or the players. Like where would you sign an extension? And then work with those teams. Do you want to sign them to extension? Okay, yes. What would a trade look like where they are signed to an extension? 
That's the one part. If you can't find an extension-based landing spot, then you have to just shop around the league and get the best return. It's like working multiple trades on the same guy from different angles, yeah. all the while trying to maximize your return. I don't care about Pierre-Luc Dubois' return. I don't care about getting him to where he wants to go. That's the last thing I'm worried about. I'm not more about making him happy. I'm more about making me happy and trying to find a good landing spot. Um, now, because I think the teams will want to pay more if those players will stick around, he very likely will have to work with the players to try to get to yeah. them to their preferred destination. So if Pierre-Luc Dubois, it's Montreal, it's LA, have been widely rumored. Connor Hellbuck maybe not so publicly known where he wants to go. Michigan, Detroit is always is talked about. So you work with those teams and, and try to see if you can't work something out. But uh, I think he has a chance to actually get players that will help their NHL team next year. If you try those two and Shifley, you're going to get five or six oh, quality man. players back to put with Morrissey and Ehlers and Kyle Connor, and, and and they could be decent. And there's a ton of goalies out there, not as good as Connor Hellebuck, but other good goalies, you can get a goaltender, get Freddie Anderson in there to be a good starter. Like, I don't think Winnipeg is, it's, it's all lost for Winnipeg, but Shevel Dayoff will have to be busy kind of, one deal at a time of this magnitude is tricky. He's got maybe three going at the same time. That's going to be, that's going to be hard to pull off. Yeah, lots going on there for sure, MJ. And, you know, we haven't talked about the backside of this very much because, you know, we're, we're sort of stuck in the moment. But part of the pressure, I think, on the Jets is not only to do it as, as well as they can in all these scenarios, but to come out of it with a team where you're telling Josh Morrissey and Kyle Connor we can still compete, guys who have signed long-term to stay in Winnipeg. And, that, and that's a big part of this deal because I think everyone on that team is watching this very closely. But, no, I, I think, listen, I think you handle – pretty much where it's at, MJ. I mean, I, I should say that, as Dregs reported on Insider Trading, it's not just Montreal and L.A. on Dubois. I think that was an important development yesterday that Pat Brisson, the agent for Pierre-Luc Dubois, has, has, is looking at other teams as well because remember that part of the genesis of this, of CAA telling Kevin Shoveldayoff at a meeting in Buffalo at the Combine that Dubois was not going to sign with the Jets was also CA saying, we want to work with you. We want to get something that makes sense for the Jets here in this trade. I, and I think that's important to note because, you know, I, I think CA wants this to go as smoothly as possible and not become, you know, a, a bitter divorce. But it, that is hard to handle. One thought, if I, let's say I'm Pierre-Luc Dubois, I'm Mike Johnson. I really want to go to Montreal. But Montreal has the luxury of knowing I only want to go there. They're not mm -hmm. quite as motivated to do it maybe right this moment. Mm -hmm. Maybe some leverage play by saying, hmm, I will actually go other places if Montreal is not willing to do it. Maybe to right. get Montreal into the game yeah. a little bit more uh, urgency mm -hmm. than they otherwise were sitting on the sideline waiting, possibly. Yeah, this yeah. is where the agents make their money too, right? Mm -hmm. And coming up with these strategies and it'll be a little different, mm -hmm. Pierre, for each of them. You know, what their posture well, is versus what they really want. And, and, and everyone has a base position that we all have to remember. Montreal's is we're not competing for a cup soon. So we also know you're UFA of the year, technically, in theory. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to overextend ourselves here. That's Montreal's position, I know, even though they want the player. Winnipeg's mm -hmm. position, let's remember, is that they actually own his rights for another year, as per the CBA. Now, why you would want to get into a contracted uh, standoff with the player who says he's not going to sign. I'm not 100% sure, but it is within their rights. All these things are baselines that we got to come back to as, as we figure out the, the exit here. 
big picture thought here on executing these moves, guys. And I saw something somewhat similar happen here at Edmonton between Taylor Hall, Jordan Eberle in a matter of a couple of years. Three critical pieces of the organization that are potentially going to get moved. And Johnny, is there any chance that Winnipeg, if you judge a trade by who ends up with the best player, I mean, they're they're not getting better players back. They're no. downgrading at all three of these positions, and they're doing it potentially in three important positions in one summer. How do I mean you, you downgrade the overall what you've got in each of those trades? You do, you do. Um, but I guess you're trying to make up as much of it as possible on the mm-hmm. aggregate, right? By adding, you know, if you send Dubois to LA and they send you. Gabe Velarde and Quinton Byfield. You're like, well, maybe in a year, like those guys could give you something like Dubois gives you. Like, that's mm-hmm. the hope. It's a challenge. That's the hope. Um, but there's the other part about Winnipeg and Kevin Dayoff would know this. You've heard Paul Maurice talk about it. You've heard Rick Bonus talk about sort of the room and the way it was being operated and their inability to maybe rise to the occasion in, in, in different moments. And, and Kevin Dayoff, it would be hard to make these kind of trades in a, in a vacuum. Because you'd open yourself up to just a massive criticism. But when your hand is being forced, it's almost like a free pass. Like, I have to make these yeah. trades because these guys aren't anyway. coming back. I got to yep. do it. So now he has a chance to revamp his team on the ice, his locker room culture, and what all that entails. And, and they're hopeful. The, the hope would be that at the end, maybe not next year exactly, but in a year or two, um, they come out as a team more capable of, of winning in the playoffs. That's the hope. Yeah. It's, uh, and I feel for the Jets because let's just call it for what it is. We just had a cup final with Vegas and Florida where Matthew Kachuk, who was one of the central characters, had a list of five teams a year ago, a year ago, 12 months ago in July, and and five or six teams. And and Vegas and Florida were both on it, (laughs) along with Tampa, Colorado, Carolina. Carolina was a runner up in that trade. Um, but you know, it's always the same places that are on players lists, Winnipeg, not on those lists. And so, you know, Winnipeg's done a lot of good things since Atlanta moved there. They draft pretty well. Um, they build some good teams, but the reality is they can't compete in free agency. So they either have to trade their way into augmenting their roster or they have to continue to build through the draft and, and also hope to extend their homegrown players. That's a great contract for Kyle Connor. He's a heck of a player. I mean, that's yeah. what you have to do. But this summer is huge because what happens at the end of all this if Kyle Connor's like, well, I, this isn't what I signed up for. I don't think that'll happen, but I'm just saying that's always the, the pressure there in a place like Winnipeg. Big summer for the scouts too, because it would seem to me all three of those players are guys that get traded for one piece plus a prospect or someone else in the system. So for your pro scouts to know who is the exact right guy to go get that maybe is two or three years into the system and close to being ready or among their drafted yeah. players recently, who's the right one to go get? If you can hit on a couple of those through your scouts, really helps round out that trade in the following years. Next on the list of interesting people. Sorry, Pierre, you want to add something? I was just going to say, I don't know if you're going there next, so I apologize. But to me, the way more interesting situation is Connor Hellebuck. And I want, I'd love to hear MJ's take on this because. Yeah, yeah, we can, we can stick Con- with Winnipeg here for a minute. Well, well, the, the Connor Hellebuck situation is right at the, you've got a lot of modern front office people saying, let's not spend on goaltending anymore. Mm-hmm. And yet 
Connor Hellebuck and Andre Vasilevsky essentially are the only two guys that get nominated for the Vezina almost every year in the last <laughs> six, seven years. Like he's the last, we know what we have in goal guy uh, available. I guess you could put UC Saros in there, but you know, I don't think the Predators are actually really want to move him. They, they'd have to get overwhelmed and move him. But Hellebuck's on the trade block. Once again, nominated for the Vezina this year. It's what he does every year. But MJ, that's why I think the doubles thing is interesting, as I reported yesterday. I know New Jersey's talked to Winnipeg. But I also think within that Devils front office, there's there's probably some people saying, you know, only if we can get him at a price we can live with because we just saw Aiden Hill win a Stanley Cup in Vegas. Yeah, that's right. That, that That's the crux of it. Um, are we better off with a $4 million goal and a $1 million backup and take that mm-hmm. extra $5 million to spend on our players? I mean, I think there's a real... Unless you have one of those couple of guys, but Hellebuck is one of those couple of guys. He is. That's the problem. But I almost yeah. wonder for a team like Jersey, if it like we'll trade for him for one year, but like we're not signing you to an eight and a half million dollar extension. Like we're not giving you that for eight more years. Like we like you at six for a year and win a cup. We'll, yeah. yeah, and we're we're gonna take a run for one year and we'll figure it out after that. Um, there'll be some players there, but yeah, Hellebuck. I, I equated it to um to, to running backs in the NFL. Like they just. They, the teams just don't want to pay them anymore. Mm. And, and like that, it's gone that way in the NFL, and I think it's sort of swinging that way in the NHL where goaltenders mm. are going to be hard-pressed to make 7 or $8 million any, again with the cap. Like, well, let's say hard-pressed to make 10% of the cap, which is strange given it's the most important position, but it seems like more people are evaluating that way, Shoggy. It's funny yeah. the way Bob could be the, the cautionary tale, yet here he has totally <laughs> right. redeemed well, himself. Totally yeah. redeemed himself. Yet he's been the cautionary tale sure. on the goaltending front uh, yeah. for a number of years here, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, next on my list, guys, is Dmitry Orlov. We saw what he did when he went to Boston, right? It was impressive, 17 points in 23 games. He had seven assists, or what was it? Eight assists in seven games in the playoffs there. Really interesting player here, top of the list in terms of people that are potentially available, MJ. What, I mean, how much of a difference has Dmitry Orlov shown that he can make with a team? and? How much money did he make himself? Well, he made himself a lot. That's an easy answer, right? Mm-hmm. He'll make himself a lot. But, you know, Boston was such an unstoppable force in the regular season. I'm not saying anyone could have gone in there and did what he did. That's not true. But Tyler Bertuzzi looked like a like a, you know an, ama- an incredible top flight player. Like, I would just be leery. I'm, I'm, you know, what is he going to get $6 million a year, Pierre? Six and a half, seven? Like, I'm not, I don't know if, that guy on a lesser team. This is the problem. You put him on a good team, he looks awesome. You see what he did on the good team, you put him on a not-so-good team without the same sort of support around. We're like, well, hang on, but you're not the guy we saw on the good team. What happened? Well, like, because right. um, I don't have the good players around me. So I, I don't know if he's a true, like whatever you want to call a number one, he might get paid like it. But Pierre, that's what I would be worried about. With If he goes to some team that's, if he goes to Arizona, I just, we always pick on Arizona, but he goes to Arizona. He's not going to be, he's not going to give you that kind of performance. That would be my concern. You better stop picking on Arizona. They're going to, they're going to take your banner down there. No, no, no. I am entrenched. You and Vegas, Uh, you and the Vegas franchise have been so hard on Arizona between Cassidy and Carlson and Mike Johnson. That's it. Or Arizona. And they're Um, celebrating. I got nothing. I'm with you. Go ahead, Pierre. So let's back up on Orloff. I always like to say, let's, let's start with what we know and then, and then we can extrapolate from there. What we know is that Washington tried to extend Orloff before they traded him at the deadline to Boston. And, the talks broke down 
overturned. Uh, Orloff's camp wanted a long-term deal and the Caps weren't ready to do that, so they traded him. So that tells you that if they were ready to draw that line in the sand in a place where he was pretty happy playing with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov, et cetera, he's probably not going to back up on that stand now heading to free agency. He's going to want a long-term deal. So that's number one. Number two is Damon Severson just signed a heck of a deal with the Mm -hmm. Columbus Blue Jackets, and that has an impact on the UFA D market. I don't care what you say. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you could say, well, you know, the Blue Jackets, you know, it's so hard for them, kind of like Winnipeg sometimes to, to acquire talent that they, they had to pay the price they had to pay. But still, that goes in the coffer and everyone else around the league says, oh, there's a new contract. So at the end of the day, it's got to be at least $6 million a year, mm-hmm. if not $7 million a year, yeah. based on this new reality with, with, with what's just happened. So um, I agree. When you talk to some front offices, they, they view them as a... Um, uh, as a you know one slash two, other guys see more as an excellent three. The market will bear it out, and the reality is there just aren't <laughs> a lot of UFAD available. So I think he's, he's about to right. be thirty-two. Right, he's about to be thirty-two. I think Severson's a little bit younger than that. So that's he, a good and point. He, and and if he wants term, but I just meant AV more than term. Yeah, yeah, there, no, right? I got it, hundred percent, hundred percent. But if he wants term, eight years takes him to forty. I'm not. Like this, this is where the, the juggling act becomes tricky. Yeah. I think six he, years is, is probably the most he can get. My guess is it's probably going to be five, but we'll see. Six years, 40 million. Knock it down here, Shoggy. Six years, 40 million. So that's where Missing that's Mike. the handicap. That's uh, 31 uh, is what hockey DB has him on July 23rd. He was born. So yeah, he's, uh, he will be he's 32. getting up there. Yeah. yeah he will be yeah. 32. That's me. Uh, next name on the list, Connor Bedard. We will speak about him ad nauseum next week at the draft. MJ, uh, Quizmaster has Bedard on the list today because the one question that he just really wants me to ask you is, how good is Connor Bedard going to be? Like, is he of the, the, the top overall oh, guests that have come in? That's all he wants to know? <laughs> no, 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 no. He just, you know, you've seen him a lot. You've been at events. You have a real good sense for his mm-hmm. game. And Pierre, you do too. But, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking to the mystic one and the magic one here. Um, so, mm-hmm. of the of the first overalls that have come in, there's different layers of it, right? There's obviously, yeah. there's, there's the McDavid layer. There's the, you know, the Matthews layer. There's mm-hmm. the, where do you project him to be here? Jack Hughes layer, something like that. I mean, Jack it's Hughes is incredible. Yeah, like he's not McDavid or Matthews. I don't think that is fair. You know, we say generational players; those feel like the two generational players that have come in first overall in, in the last decade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I does Matthews so, get that title? By the way, is that commonly oh, yeah. used with Austin Matthews? Is that yeah. the that's the convention? Did he just score sixty? Yeah, yeah. He scored right. more goals per minute. Just, five and five listen, than anyone I'm last just, 30 years. Okay, I'm in just, Alberta just right now. Okay. And Alberta. No one's saying he's better than Conrad David. That. Just you just relax there, the Oilers <laughs> guy. No one's saying anything. We're not making that conversation today. So okay. he's he's incredible. He's an incredible offensive player. I get that he's smaller. Smaller doesn't really matter so much in the NHL anymore. The only question I have about him, the only question that would stop him me from putting him like in the ultimate high end is he's not a great, great skater. He's mm-hmm. a good skater. He gets to where he has to go clearly. I never see guys catch him, but he's not that fast. Um, so that's the one thing that maybe will hold him back. And if he plays wing, because it's hard to be a great, you know, top flight impactful guy on the wing. But like I look at him, his absolute floor is what Cole Caulfield's done, which is like a 40 goal score and a point a game guy. That's his floor. 
Mm-hmm. It's only going to go up from there. And quickly, as long as he gets a couple players around him, Chicago Pierre. I mean, I think he's he's not the the very best of the first overalls, but he's in that next grouping just yeah. underneath them. Yeah, and listen, I, I I really judge my reaction to all this on what people who have watched all his games tell me because I you know I, mm-hmm. I don't cover junior mm-hmm. hockey and have spent enough time around them, but what I often get is can he be Patrick Kane plus? That's what I often get, uh, which is. A Hall of Fame career, by the way. So, mm-hmm. and that's based on the hands and the vision, and the creativity. Uh, MJ, I think you nailed it. You know, where's the skating at, uh, etc. But his release is unreal. It, it's such a modern Top twenty approach. in the world today. It's unbelievable the modern today. approach and the release yeah. and the ability to score in traffic. I think that will translate extremely well to the NHL because that's what it's all about now. It's something Austin Matthews has 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 really brought to the next level in the NHL, in my opinion, as well. Um, so, yeah, let's, you know what, let's just give the kid a chance to. Like, I think it's a little overwhelming and we're all guilty of it. I mean, heck, we made a video song uh, at the trade <laughs> deadline at TSN about uh, tanking for Connor Bedard. But, they can um, handle it, Pierre. Yeah. He's, he's going to be he's just very fine. Mature. They he's can very handle mature, it. Huh? We don't have to be careful and handle with kid gloves. Yeah. Okay, Shoggy, Pierre. They're built for it. I'm going to give you a quick it. mystic. I want an over-under. I don't want an explanation. 39 and a half goals next year. Over-under. Shoggy? Under. Pierre? Not a very good Chicago team, but I'm still going to go over. Okay. Because I think Johnny, what, you, what you have is winning. No explanations. Matter. No explanations. <laughs> okay. Just yes or no. I like it. Oh, Johnny's producing right. again. Here we go. 73 and a half <laughs> points over and under. Under. Shoggy? Under. Wow. Pierre? Oof. I think that's right about right. That's why I said it. Crappy team. Listen to you. Ah, I like being positive. I'll go the over. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Johnny? And and I'm not trying to throw fly in the ointment on... Did you say no? You're fired. <laughs> Taking over the podcast and then refusing sure. to participate. Well, I love what it. would you like to ask me? Well, I want to ask both of you this question. So, And I'm not trying to throw fly in the ointment or pick mm-hmm. holes in his game. I mean, he's, he's spectacular. We've all seen it. But a lot of his goal scoring is rooted in the toe drag and the shot, right? You, you pull it in and you shoot. Pull it in close to your body and you shoot. He loves to do it. He's always looking to do it. It's his method. I wonder for a player that doesn't have the foot speed that will separate him in the NHL, where time and space is the first thing that disappears at the next level. I wonder how well that's going to work at the next level. And I would not be surprised at all if we're talking about Connor Bedard having to find different ways in his first season in the NHL. And if it I isn't think, a little bit tougher without that time and space, I wonder about I, that. I think of the 110 goals he scored last year, several of them were that variety, but he also scored 50 a pile of them. or not. But like, a pile of them. Every, but I mean, like, off the rush, Johnny, he's, that's his, that's his yeah. thing, man. He's always looking to load it up that way, which is good. Yeah, he, he can. He can, but the power plays there as well. Like He can take yeah. one-timers. He can do a lot of different things. We've seen him in breakaways when he gets in alone. I've seen him, you know, rebounds, tips, stuff. He's a goal scorer. I mean, he scored goals at a level like even, you know, Connor McDavid didn't score at when it was his draft year. So, like, you can talk about whatever, and, and those, but no, I, I, you could have put him in the NHL this year. He would have scored 35 goals this year. So, you're taking the over on, what did you oh, say, 41 yeah. or 47? I said 39 and a half. So, you're taking the over on that? The old, no, the, the biggest limiting factor is his teammate. Like, he's not on a good team. That's going to no. be the hardest part. But, no. right. I expect but him to get cut, 73. But that points. can cut two ways. It can cut two ways. It, it can, don't you think, 
Mike, it could hurt you in terms no. of obviously you're going to put your top D pairing against them. But on the other hand, you could be in a six, two game and say, I'm just going to, let's just worry about scoring gold. I don't know. I he mean, was never man. not going to be bad. in the spot to score. Yeah. I think he'd be better. I, think it's better players I think you yeah. need good players around you. I think you need, I need, you need to be able to have off nights. You need to be able to get hidden in a lineup behind some guys that have done some things before. Uh, I think it's setting up for trouble if they don't get some better players around him. Um, I watched, and, and again, different players, but I watch what happens when you bring in a first overall pick and put the weight of the world on him and don't surround him with players that can handle some of that weight. And I think it's a mistake. Respectfully, he's better than every first overall of course pick in Edmonton, is. but one. Yes. And I, that's why I said it's, it's, it's different. Going to be fun to watch. And then maybe yeah. at the end of next season, we'll remember this conversation. We can pull up clips and clunk each other over the head with That's our, we're here for. our he, wrong he's, prognostications. He, he's not better than one former Oiler who was never drafted. No, the all-time leading scorer, Wayne Gretzky. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Come on, Ryan. Come on. What well, time is it out there? Decent guys. Wow. We, it's, it's, we're just waking up out there. I'm uh, on the bedhead. You're the one with just waking up. Kill both their mics, Zuby. Kill both their mics. We're moving on. Matvey Michkov, I think is going to be interesting too. Uh, I think he's going to be interesting, you guys, because he's a bit of an enigma. Like, wasn't at the Combine. Hasn't interviewed with a ton of teams. I know he's going to get himself out there a little bit at the draft. And teams are going to be interested in him, but this this skill level that you see and that you hear of, but where he's rated to go in an otherwise really deep draft, Johnny, it feels like it's taking a chance for a guy that might not be around for a little while. So with all of the, there's a certain amount you know, there's a certain amount you don't know. He feels like he's far away. Like where would you be comfortable taking him, Johnny? Top eight, top nine, top ten. He's probably got what yes. top five skills. Yes. yes, yes, I would take him. I'd take him five if I'm Montreal. Montreal's not going to be good for three years. They have Pierre, what's his name? Dobrov, who's one in their scouting department. Is that his name? From that, Nick yeah, brought over from the Rangers. Yeah. Nick Dobrov, I think his name is. Uh, he's really tapped into the Russian situation. They can wait a couple years. Montreal's a cosmopolitan city with a wealthy. Like, I just, if, if take out the contract and the geopolitical situation, he's second or third in this draft clearly mm -hmm. so um yeah. i think montreal five although if we're going to be mystic mike all day i think washington eight for obvious reasons i don't think he gets past eight um and i would not be scared away of the contract the geopolitical stuff maybe but the contract no like i can wait a couple of years for a guy like that i, I think no way he gets past eight choggy that's my call pierre <laughs> Uh, having a really tough time handicapping this. I, I think that for Montreal to do it, Ken Hughes is going to have to be really overwhelmed by his staff telling him to do it, is my impression of things. But we'll see. Um, you know, not that this is going through anyone's mind, I don't think. But one of the things that's interesting, if you know that it's going to be at least three years before you get the player, is that if you look at Minnesota, uh, I think it was Chuck Pletcher who drafted Kaprizov. I can't remember, but whatever the case is, Bill Guerin's the guy who inherits Kaprizov eventually. It was like two GMs later. Right. Um, yeah. George McPhee drafts Kuznetsov, but Brian McClellan gets to bear the full fruit of Kuznetsov. I don't know. I mean, there's <laughs> it's, there's a side to this that is realistic, too, uh, in terms mm. of... I want a player who's going to help me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. And, exactly. and again, I, I think that... Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon are so early into their program there in Montreal that I think there's some longevity there for sure. So I don't think that'll factor in. But at the end of the day, 
He's also not a big guy. I don't know. Corey Proman wrote a great piece on it in, in the athletic yesterday and, and balancing the pros and cons with all his scouting contacts. And you kind of leave the piece saying, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> it is absolutely really got a lot of people torn up. The only thing that's interesting, Shoggy, is that he's not, he's kind of picking and choosing who he's interviewing with. It's almost yeah, like he right. has in his own mind where he'd like to I mean, go. And if it's not Montreal, yeah. then like, I'm not going to meet with you. And then you're not going to draft me. I don't care if I go 12th right. or 14th or 8th. I'm going to, I'm going to try to so go to the spot. So if he chose not to meet with you, are you taking him? No. Like, because no, clearly there's so. an intention there to not yeah. really want to be there, right? I don't think so. So on yeah. top of everything else, if all a player did was be choosy about who he met with, never mind everything else, that'd be red flags all day long. But this guy's got all the other stuff that you talked about as well. So it's so what if Connor Bedard didn't want to meet with Chicago? They're not going to take him. Well, that's different. Well, I no, mean, I right, but that, like that, but like that's the spectrum, right? Depending on who you are in your situation, you can yes. dictate some of these things and maybe have control or teams will be willing to pass or maybe you're so good they're not willing to pass but it does feel like he's being a little bit choosy which <laughs> i don't mind i don't don't tell me about kid go to where you're supposed to go nope if you can influence your own life have at it you it's nothing but props for you for doing it and and again i we don't want to get too deep on this but but it's the real life part of it which is scary but you know yeah. the war in ukraine and you know, mm-hmm. the team that he plays for in the KHL and, and all the, you know, permutations to that. Uh, boy, there's a lot of uncertainty for sure. Last name on my list, Steve Steos. We know there are strong ties to the Andlauer group in Ottawa. <clears throat> and Pierre, we will say with respect to the existing staff in Ottawa, because I know that's important to you, but there is yeah. potential for changes. And so Steve Steos is kind of top of everybody's mind as a potential move uh, into Ottawa. We don't know what the timeline looks like before they'd even be able to pull the trigger on something like that. But it's interesting how often he has suddenly talked about, I guess, had Ann Lauer never come around the National Hockey League or if it went a different way, is Steve Steos somebody, Pierre, who would have been on radars to be interviewing for any GM jobs that would have been coming up over the next year or so? Or did this expedite him being in that conversation, this Andlauer situation. Yeah, it probably expedited it, but boy, he's really well-liked. He Steve is. Steve was yeah. seen by a lot of people as a future NHL GM. Um, and again, I always say, let's start with what we know and go from there. What we know is that the relationship there is really strong between him and Andlauer from their work together in Hamilton. That's the real-life thing. That's how this business works. I yep. mean, it is what it is. Now, that doesn't mean that maybe the timing doesn't work or the Oilers entice Theos to stay who knows how this all works out I mean timeline wise with the ownership uh with finalizing the sale to Anlauer we're looking at at least August if not well into September so this isn't happening anytime soon in terms of that kind of decision but yeah I I mean making that link between Anlauer and Steos is based in in a real-time experience it would surprise no one if you wanted to hire him it's not a leap here. This, this is not right. a massive connection we're looking to make. Um, and, and I can talk about his prospects. Like, wasn't he supposed to be, isn't he supposed to be Ken Holland's eventual uh, succession plan? Well, they're working on that right now. So my understanding right. of where it's at right now, Johnny, and then I'll let you continue with your point, but just a bit of an update here as I know it to be. I think upper, upper management has had a brief conversation with Steos. I think until Steve Steos has something firm in the way of an opportunity, Right? There's not really a lot of discussion to happen there. I think the orders have engaged 
in a process to come up with a succession plan for Ken Holland. They need to know what the plan is going to be. I believe they've talked to external candidates. They have some very strong internal candidates, and Steos is one of them. I think they want to get themselves to the point where should Steos come to them and say, uh, I got this chance to go do this, they'll know where he fits into their picture yeah. and what they're prepared to offer him at that time. So I think the process is underway of figuring right. out succession as it pertains to Steos. And, and I'm not saying this just to be, you know, but I think you have to allow for the possibility that once Ann Lauer gets to know Pierre Dorian a little, because he's going to have to, there's going to be a period of time where that's still happening that, you know, what if they hit it off? I, again, I, I think you have to be careful. I always assume where this is headed. And, and I think you have yeah. to put that. that I, I put the right. caveat in at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I put the appropriate yeah. caveat in there. Johnny? I just say, listen, he clearly is a very smart, talented, young, fresh, new, open-minded executive. Everything the NHL needs. Anything a new team or an old team needs. The fact that he is in the conversation in some capacity at Edmonton tells you that the people who work with him know him best think of him in that light. So now if you have a guy that you've worked with before, had great success with before, are incredibly close with, owns a team, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think Steve Stamos would be, would be top of line. If they make a change, he will be the GM. The question is if they make the change. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be someone different if they do. The question is just if they do or not. And, we, you know, we are all friends and familiar with Pierre Doran and DJ Smith, and we, we understand they're in a tricky spot. But if they go down that road, yeah. I think but if Steve the Edmonton would... Oilers said to you, Johnny, listen, the job's mm -hmm. yours next year, and you're sitting there with McDavid and Dreisaitl and all that ready and the right. cup window and all that, yeah. what are you doing? What would you do, Johnny? You got your buddy oh. that wants to bring you in on something fresh, or you got, you know. How, how much am I getting paid? I knew you were going to say that. And there's magic, Mike. There's ma I asked you to be mystic, Mike. And no, you're magic, Mike. It's no, all about you, how many now, dollar now. bills I'm getting. What's now, my now. contract? If you give so, me matching five-year, $2.5 million a year contracts. Hmm. Probably Edmonton. Hmm. Wow, but five years. It's your chance like, I don't to know. grab a cup, man. It's your chance yeah, but, to grab a cup. And once you have that. What's future? Yeah, once you yeah, grab that cup, P, nobody takes that away from you. Yeah, that, yeah. You've got that for future negotiations, Johnny. Yeah. You got to remember that. Ottawa's a pretty. Ottawa has a chance to be a pretty good team in a year or two. Yeah, Pierre. Yeah. What would I, you do? By the way, I, I, apropos of nothing, maybe, but I, I want to point this out. <laughs> what does Ann that Lauer, mean? Well, Chris Master may or may said that to me today too. I need to Google that. Well, apropos it just means that there may or may not be a tangible segue relative yeah. to nothing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So Unrelated. I probably shouldn't bother bringing this up, but let's take well, some time. Well, no, I, I actually—it's something that I've thought about <laughs> with Ann Lauer, and and so I want to share it with our audience. Is that Ann Lauer sat in with Jeff Molson, uh, uh, and Jeff and Jeff Gordon in the interview process for when they hired Kent Hughes? Ann Lauer was part of the interview team. And I find that interesting for a couple of reasons. One is that so he's got to meet a lot of different team executives. The Habs had a pretty extensive process. He saw the presentations those candidates had, saw the kind of questions they wanted to ask these candidates. But also, when you have a new owner sometimes in the NHL, their level of understanding of, of what a GM looks like is so low that they have to rely so much on Gary Bettman and Bill Daly for help. Ann Lauer will need none of that. Ann Lauer has been a minority owner in the NHL oh, yeah. for 50 He'll years. Know. And so he's coming in knowing the exact landscape and also having actually been part of a GM interview process, which 
I think puts him in a different boat than most other new owners. I just want to point uh, that out. Well, and he'll also know exactly what the current staff has pulled off. He'll have context on that. He'll have a he'll understand their body of work. Yeah. He'll be making a highly educated decision. No and he can make it quick. Like he, yeah. he'll be able to yeah. make it as soon as he gets official ownership, whatever he's allowed. Man, if make you're taking if you're the owner of a team and you're taking over, I mean, you wanna you gotta make those calls now. This next couple months is so important for an organization yeah. to have to wait. That's oh, got to be oh, uh, tough timing. Yeah, t- yeah, definitely tough timing. All right, gentlemen, we have one more segment here on the podcast, the game show. You know it. You love it. Taking the country by storm. Red card, yellow card, no card. Mm-hmm. And that is always brought to you by our good friends at Liberty Smart Security, a company that specializing specializes in having your back. They've got high-quality advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. They use leading-edge technology to protect the things that you value most in life. Your home is your castle. Your business is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security. And uh, an additional mention that if you are a business and you're needing a security system, they do fantastic work uh, for commercial businesses as well. It's not just residential. So if you're a business owner, check out Liberty Smart Security. Okay, guys, I'm not wanting to be the fun police. I am not the fun police, right? You win a Stanley Cup celebrate have a good time we've heard a lot of hand wringing since this whole mess that we saw right so i am not being the fun police by this but there's a few elements to red card yellow card no card i need you guys to answer each of these individually because i'm going to throw them at you as individual red card yellow card no cards okay i'm not being the fun police in the big picture you're getting prepared to be the fun police. Yeah, well, and people might think I am. Yeah. Okay, the first of three red card, yellow card, no cards. Your team climbs the mountain and wins the Stanley Cup. You've been waiting your whole life to win that Stanley Cup, and now it's time to celebrate with your people. The parade happens, and it's time for your team to take the stage, center stage, and you decide, I need to take my shirt off. Johnny, red card, yellow card, no card. No Tarp card. off at the parade. No card. You're in Vegas. I was there. It was 120 degrees. I wish I could take my shirt off. You're in good shape. You're doused with beer and sweat. You're having a big party. You're basically at Lollapalooza slash Woodstock. Yeah, take your shirt off if you want. No card. It's Vegas. You think people are going to be offended by having a shirt off? No card. If you got the physique, as all these players do, to pull it off with great confidence, have at it. No card whatsoever. P? Yeah, that's only a red card if it's me or Gary Lawless uh, who covers the Golden Knights. Um, you know, hey, I put myself. What did Gary do? <laughs> Gary's not here to defend himself. I'm saying, the Coyotes. Uh, Gary and I, G- Gary and I are uh, brother in arms in, uh, in a, I know, a certain yeah. category. So yeah, no uh, card. I'm having fun, man, and 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 the the pressure and the grind of the two months and and a, okay. perhaps a one, you know, no card, no card, no card. I'm going to yeah. go yellow card. Cause like, I don't know, whatever. Weak. It just feels a little, I, I wouldn't, ri- I wouldn't pull the tarp off, but it doesn't mean whatever. you, doesn't just mean you me. can't just means you won't. Yeah. I know, whatever. Something. Someone's got to be the dissenting voice or it's just a bunch of agreeing on the segment. Okay. Yeah. Second red card, yellow card, no card. You've climbed the mountain. You're celebrating with your people center stage. Your shirt is off. You have the microphone. And you're dropping F-bombs. Red card, yellow card, no card. Pierre. I'm going to show my age and the fact that I'm a father here. I'm going to go yellow. Not not red, but yellow because I think there are probably some young people in the crowd or at least kids the next day watching the video 
We're a big Golden Knights fan. Oh, you're you fun police. That's nah, lame. Hey, Johnny, is he lame? I respect that. I respect that. But I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say no card. You know why? Because those people at that parade want to get a glimpse into what life is like in the dress room, and the language in the dress room is unbelievably crass. Like there's more curse words said. Like I try not to swear in regular life, but it would take me like three weeks to transition out of swearing from the dress room to swear not yeah. swearing at the dinner table with my mom. You don't swear a lot, actually, Johnny. Now that I'm thinking about it, oh, you in your day to day vernacular very seldom do you cuss. I try not to unless I bump my toe. But so I'm going to say slight yellow, but mostly no card. That's fine. Yeah, I'm going to go yellow card on that one too, just because yeah, there might be kids out there, but you know they're having a good time. Yeah, watch go watch HBO. They're swearing. They've heard yeah. it before. If you bring your kids to a Stanley Cup parade with a bunch Vegas, of guys partying in off. Vegas, chances yeah. are they might tarps off. They might hear some apple. Okay, last one. Yeah. You have climbed the mountain. <laughs> you have won the whole holy grail of hockey. You're celebrating with your people. Your center stage. Your tarp is off. You're throwing F-bombs. Someone comes and tries to take the mic from you, and you twice dodge them and continue with your lengthy speech. Johnny, red card, yellow card, no card. Um, I'm going to give William Carlson <laughs> a yellow card because everyone likes the Oscars. Everyone's got a time limit, <laughs> but I'm also giving like the, the woman music, right? who had the hardest job in the, the whole parade trying to get him off the mic, a bit of a yellow card too. Like recognize the moment he's wrapping up. The it was a good effort. It. She, she tried. She did two uh, flybys I on know. it. Two flybys. Tough job, man. Tough so job. Yellows for Credit everyone. Credit to her. Yellows for everybody. So yellow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go no card because one of the things that's fascinating to me is that it was him that became this character on this right. night because yeah. he does not do that much media. He's a very nice guy, but very quiet guy who goes about his job, absolutely beloved by everyone in that room by all accounts. And so I think it's fascinating that of all the players on that team, if you would have told me before the parade, which guy I would have picked, he might've been the last person I would have picked to be that character. Do you know my favorite thing? Steve Austin. Yeah, my favorite thing about his speech, you guys, by a mile, was that he remembered he had no points in the opening game against Arizona. We played Arizona, and we beat, you know, he said what he said. I had no points. But like I it was still pretty good burns that him, year. Johnny, that like, he was held pointless in the opener. But then he reminded everyone that he was pretty damn good that year. <laughs> yeah. Career year. Uh, epic. So I can be pointless if I score 40. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, epic performance. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, epic performances by you on the podcast as well today. Uh, look forward to seeing you at the Draft P. And Johnny will be uh, touching base with you as well. So have a great finish to your week, fellas. And thanks for today. All right, guys. And thank you for your downloads, your subscriptions, your participation here on Got Your Back, NHL edition. Thanks to our sponsors, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. Uh, Kuma Outdoor Gear and our great friends over, over at Liberty Smart Security. Leave us a review on iTunes if you get a minute. Let us know what you think. Want some feedback here on Got Your Back? Talk to you soon, folks. Cheers. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. 
Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that.